Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. And we're so happy you're here today to learn about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your small business. And today we're going to dive into productivity. And this is going to be such a different perspective than what you think when you hear productivity. But I promise you, it will definitely accelerate your progress and what you achieve. So hang tight. And I guess I should start at the beginning. So hello, business rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I am your host for today. I'm a small business thought leader, master business coach by day and night, <laughs> and a growth strategist. And in that case, yes, we do all sorts of growth stuff, but think marketing, but not traditional marketing. Been doing all this wonderful, fun stuff, front end, back end of the business for about 20 years now. I'm the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., which is a coaching practice specializing in guiding small businesses to optimize their business performance and leadership. And I'm all about improving the underserved small business sector. If you're new to our podcast, you're about to see why. I honestly believe that small businesses are the accelerant of our economy, so much so that I ended up founding a number one best-selling business book series for small businesses. Now, don't worry, we'll share a little bit about that in a moment. But most importantly, this is what I want you to hear. Like all good things, I did not do it alone. I invited tenured experts to join me in the authoring process. And today we have with us one of our tenured experts and one of our newest number one international best-selling business authors, Carlton Hoskins. Wow! Carlton's in the house. He's in the house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important for you to know who Carlton is because he does this really cool thing. He helps businesses do something that I've not heard other people quite say. He has developed a system to identify and help small business owners smash through growth blocks so they can beat the death rate statistics. We're going to talk about that in a moment, death rate statistics, and achieve more than $250,000 in annual revenue. I love this. I love, yeah, yeah, smile for a moment. I can see him, but y'all can. <laughs> okay, so big welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie. It's always a pleasure to be here and always super special to talk with you just i know the audience doesn't know but maggie and i just get along super great and i just love talking with her she's a builder and creator like me yeah yeah builder creator right or a creative builder huh hmm. get to mm. think about that one now okay so yeah we have fun kicking it around and and making magical things happen right that's true okay yes so here Let's stay on task. We've been a little busy. This, this is your fifth episode in our mini series here on this podcast. Absolutely. Okay, so here you are. You're this really cool 
dude who knows a lot <laughs> about small business. And that is why you are here and why you were invited to pen a chapter in our series. So we should probably start there and let everyone know what the name of the book series is, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So it's Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And the subtitle really is where all the juice is. It's Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Small Business. Now, there's five books out there. The series has five volumes in it. And they're all titled the same thing. The difference in the volumes for you to notice is the color of the front cover. Carlton penned a chapter in volume five, which is the turquoise co colored cover, colored cover. <laughs> oh, yeah. ah, three times fast. I don't think I can. I, apparently I can't do it more than once <laughs> and barely. Okay. So when we're talking volume five, think turquoise and think Carlton. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, Carlton, your chapter is chapter eight in volume five, and it's titled, You Decide, Fail or Fall. Both are proven processes. Indeed. That's pretty insightful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Very much so. Okay. So I want to do a quick recap of what we've been discussing through your mini series here. But before we do that, I would like for you to address what does, I know what it, the answer is, but I bet our listeners don't know what death rate statistics for small businesses means and is. Oh, really good question, Mike. Um, the death rate statistic is a, is a number that the Department of Labor, U.S. Department of Labor, calculates based on the number of businesses that don't exist anymore. So if you start a business at the beginning of the year, that's one new birth, as the Department of Labor would call it. And if that business doesn't exist at the end of the year, that business is now considered a death rate. So businesses have a birth rate and a death rate just like humans do. Um, they're entities, straw entities, if you will. And so in the US, there's been this unprecedented death rate of 76% of businesses failing within the first 10 years. And this has been going on for the last 30 plus years. So that's the death rate. And that's the statistic, the statistic <laughs> trying to help, I guess we both can't talk today, to help <laughs> business owners overcome. So if you're listening, listeners, and there's four of you in the room, and all four of you are business owners, and you've been around for less than 10 years, three of the four, their business will no longer exist by year 10, according to this statistic. And that is what I want to stop. Oh, you want to shift the statistic. Yes. And we've talked about that in one of the episodes. Absolutely. Might have, might have been your first one. So, so that's really the game you're playing. And we'll be talking about that in a little while. Um, but there we have it. Wow. Yeah. Death rate. And I like that. So the death rate, so there's an accumulative number of birth rates 
being counted every year and a cumulative number of death rates. So, um, you know, you might, you might do really great till eight or nine, or you could poop out a two, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, this is always the number, but what you said that I think is so fascinating people don't understand is for three decades, this number correct. really has not changed. That is correct. And Mag, I just want to kind of talk to that for just a split second in that we see all these experts coming into the industry who, you know, claim to be professors at business coaching and business development and master marketers. And I'm not hating on anyone. All I'm saying is the death rate hasn't changed. So if I'm an expert, which is what I did, I had to consider, am I reducing the death rate or am I just generating money off of the businesses that I serve with no responsibility to the underlying death rate? So am I helping or am I hurting? I have to pick a side. If I'm a doctor and three out of four children die Uh within 10 years, over 30 years span, what am I doing as a doctor? Why are you a doctor at that point? (laughs) Right. Or is what I'm doing as a doctor not right and I need to fix it? Or am I just part of the problem? So either I'm part of the solution or I'm part of the problem. And when we get into that death rate, that's where experts have to kind of do a Michael Jackson and look at the person in the mirror. Totally, totally. And that's why I address this in the introduction of every book is there's what I call um, capital U, capital N experts on experts out there. They might be really great at marketing. They might be great at um, getting their message out. But are they really helping the cause? And the answer is the unexperts don't help the cause. They keep everybody in uh, mediocrity. Okay. And right. and that another word for that is death or about to be death. Correct. In in the context of what we're talking about. So yes, and this folks is why Carlton is one of our authors, because he knows what I know. And he knows it from a different angle and he's built out things differently. And, and lo and behold, we, we just get to have fun conversations. He and I talking <laughs> about stuff and, and sharing different ways to think about things because we're, <laughs> we're, we're singing out of the same hymn book, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when business owners understand that death, the true definition of failure in a business is the death of a business. And I get all of the analogies, including the Will Smith analogy of you go to the gym, you get muscle failure and it helps you to grow. Yeah, that might count for the body of the muscle, your muscle, you know, the the muscles in your body, but that doesn't apply to business. Your business doesn't have to go out of business in order to succeed. You could fall. I mean, or you could fail. I mean, you could choose to do that, right? But Maggie, (laughs) this is a conversation you and I talk about all day. So, I mean, oh my gosh, this is amazing to be back. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you're welcome. And, and see, I told everyone they were going to be in for a little bit of, uh, hmm, that's different. <laughs> so we started out, we, we've already delivered and we haven't even hit our topic for today. <laughs> okay, but let's do this. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. And, and listeners, um, this, this is going to be a real treat for you because we're going to talk about your cash flow 
and mm. how it relates to productivity and, and learning this one thing about cash and how you show up and how you want to acquire it is going to improve your productivity considerably. It just might not be a direct link in your head yet, but trust us, it is. Mm. Right? Absolutely. Okay, so let's do this. Carlton, in in the first four episodes of your five-part mini-series here on our podcast, oh, you, you've called it failure not required. I mean, that, that's what I think of every time I, I see your name, failure not required. Then it's all the different ways that that is and isn't, right? That's and how right. it doesn't have to be. So failure not required. And you talked about solutions to issues business owners are faced with. Um, like in episode 208, you've really helped us understand the difference between failure and falling and how the, the cultural trend, it's, it's like a fashion trend, except it's business, is all about right. failing and that's not serving us well at all. And we sort of just touched on that a little bit. Absolutely. Then in episode 217, you introduced what you call the Mad Hatter method. And I absolutely love that. Um, and it's about how business owners wear multiple hats in their business, and that is not helping them at all. And you mm-hmm. unpack that and share why and some of the ways to correct that. Then in episode 227, 227, you address sequencing Hmm. and the, yeah, yeah. uh, A point near and dear to my heart Um, and the importance of tackling business development tasks at the correct time and in the correct sequence. Absolutely. Yeah. And then in the last episode we did, which is episode 237, you talked about how business owners neglect their genius Oh, so true. And how to avoid that costly mistake. So you've, you've just been showing up like uh, uh, a beast. (laughs) 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 Just dropping it all over the place, pillaging as you move forward. And it's just like, no, I don't believe that crud. This is what you need to be thinking about. Back to the unexperts, right? So I want to thank you for that. And before we get into our fifth and final component in this mini series to discuss the different mindsets of business owners. I'd like for our listeners to learn just a little bit about you, and then we'll tie that together with the mindset concept, right? Indeed. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm just really curious, Carlton, where did your love for business come from? And when did all this business talk become important to you? Because, Hey, when we're kids, especially um, at our age, (laughs) there wasn't this thing like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur and have my own business. Uh, No. (laughs) Not at all. So so start us at the very beginning, please. Thank you, Meg. I'll be happy to do that. And, uh, you know, to your point, I remember fudging my uh, application uh, in order to get a job at McDonald's at the age of 12. Because uh, I looked a little older, so I can go to work and make money. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see my son doing that. No, no, <laughs> no. He fudges, he fudges application so he doesn't have to get a job. But we won't get into that. <laughs> Ouch! Um, <laughs> but I, we get it. We get what you're saying. 
Absolutely. Um, for me, um, my introduction to business began in the, in the late 70s. Uh, I was just a little boy at the time. And my parents are from Jamaica. I was born in New Jersey. And so they had moved to America, obviously, in order for me to be here. Um, and we all hear those funny stories about Jamaicans having all these jobs and multiple jobs, right? Okay. <laughs> um, and so I, I would say uh, it is very common for, you know, immigrants to have multiple jobs. When they arrive in this country, they're normally starting over and they typically don't have any. Well, and that's that's pretty common. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and, and my parents weren't any different. But what was different was they didn't have multiple jobs. Instead, they had multiple businesses. So uh -huh. many of those businesses now in today's market would be classified as gig work or freelance work. Okay. Um, you know, they did cable TV installation. They delivered newspapers. And I don't mean you know, going to your local neighborhood and throwing newspapers at the front door. I mean, literally delivering newspapers to the grocery stores and to the, the bodegas and the delis in your neighborhood. And on top of that, my mom had a regular job. Um, but again, we they own multiple businesses, which included convenience stores and exterminating companies and laundromats and dinner clubs. And oh, my. And oh, my. Right? <laughs> they had all these businesses growing up. So for me, Maggie, my Saturday mornings weren't the sleep in late and play with my friends day like most kids could probably remember. Um, since about 10 or maybe even earlier, I would go to work with my dad at 5 a.m. on the weekends. First, we deliver papers to stores and then to residential homes. Next, we install cable into homes. Can you imagine this little 10-year-old kid running around with a drill and cable wires? who could literally wire your entire house, six uh. bedrooms with cable. And my dad is gone. He's on a whole nother job. I mean, you know, Department of Labor would probably have his head today if that happened. But back then it was normal. You know, 10-year-old runs the whole house. And then in the evening we would head to the store and I would stay there until it closed. That was what my youth was like when I started working, if you will. Mm. Okay. So... <sighs> You're like this entrepreneur from the start. And I bet you've seen the good and the bad and the ugly of, boy, there's some flaws in this, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. So um, there's pros and cons to everything, right? Right. But what got you to the point where you felt like you needed to address some of these issues that are plaguing business owners because let's face it you saw it right from being a child right absolutely i mean i worked really hard um and i didn't complain about it, it was just second nature mm -hmm. i i didn't understand at the time then but i watched my family lose their home and all of us relocated be to texas because something in one of the business went wrong Mm. okay now that that kind of emotionally punches me in the chest when i say that because you got to remember all the stuff that i named and then i said something in one of the businesses went wrong and i, I can't speak to those issues but at the end of the day 
one business failed and everything they had crumbled. Okay. So it was a domino effect, right? Of professional and personal, because you said you lost the family home and you needed to relocate. So these are stories that are real. And quite honestly, I wish there would be more conversations about how we fall. Right. Um, You know, the millionaires that I sit down and have the heart to heart conversation with, they all come back and tell me how they lost their shirt, usually their house and oftentimes the toilet paper that they were wiping their butt with. So, you know, and yet they come back and they're stronger because they chose to learn. And if not, I'm usually not sitting there talking to them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because they're doing something else. So this is really common, but not everybody wants to talk about it because sometimes it hurts, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And to your point, Maggie, for me, it was devastating. Yeah, I Um, bet. but, but, But I wasn't the business owner. So for me, it wasn't from a financial perspective. Right. Mm. So again, I grew up with all of my family, my cousins, my grandmother, my aunt, my uncles, everyone. When when your family migrates from another country, there's this natural instinct to stay very close. Right. What that really means is on Sunday dinner. It, it wasn't just your brother, your sister, your mom and your dad. It was the literally it was the entire family. It was like a party every Sunday. You know, your grandparents, your cousins, your uncles, your close friends, if they were from Jamaica, they were there. That's how it worked. Um, So when we moved to Texas, I was completely separated from everyone in my family I grew up with. So I understand how deeply it impacts everyone in the family when a business fails, not just the owner, yet their pride might be hurt, their bank account might be short, but how it impacts even the child you know, it's so deep. And if my experience and knowledge can somehow help other business owners avoid failure, it's okay to fall, but to avoid failure and the pain it causes their families, then Maggie, the reason I do what I do is just that. Okay. Avoid failure. Please. That's your game. Yes, please. Fall, 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 go fall. Because when we fall, we learn. That's what babies do when they learn how to walk, right? They fall, they learn, they learn, they learn, they learn. The more you fall, I'm not going to say the better you get, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you learn a lot as you fall. That's right. And if you learn enough, you can not fail. Oh my gosh, that's so true. So true. Okay, so this is why you do what you do. I love this. And knowing you, this I know this is a, a truth. So this whole experience that you talked about, um, the professional side of it, and then the, the personal side of it, how do you think this experience played a role in your mindset, Carlton, to because you're doing something really cool to avert all this. Absolutely. And, and that's such a great question. In fact, Maggie, I don't think anyone's ever really asked me that question. So this is a first. So uh, you always talk about flanking me. You did a good job on that one. Um, <laughs> in, in some degree, 
yes, this experience has impacted my mindset. But I don't think a person has to go through the same experiences to have a certain mindset. When I think about mindset, honestly, I instantly visualize Roger, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. That's the first oh, thing that comes to my mind. That's different from most people. So I can't wait to hear more about that. Absolutely. Let, let me jump into that. Let's, let's go into the mindsets and how they play into the concept of failure not being required, since that's my motto. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that because you said um, Robert Kiyosaki has something that you think of every time. I'm gonna. I'm going to let you explain it in a moment when you hear mindset. So mm-hmm. why don't you share with us what that is first? Okay. All right. So to break down these mindsets, first of all, we have to understand that when Robert Kiyosaki refers to them. He talks about it from two sides. He talks about one side of it being the mindset and the other, the other side of it being the activity. Okay. The, the activity of that mindset. But understanding one's mindset plays a huge role in failure, not required concepts. In fact, one's mindset will dictate how one manages the issues we've discussed through all of the series so far, this mini series so far. Okay. Okay, so you're you're really setting us up. Absolutely. I have to ask the next question. So what are the different mindsets, Carlton? <laughs> Come on. Let us know what Robert Kiyosaki's wisdom is. That's so funny because I'm trying to flank you and Maggie, you're so sharp. I can't. So it's just like, whatever. (laughs) Uh, I know who I'm dealing with. Um, But according to Robert Kiyosaki, there are four different quadrants. Okay. And and I know some people are visual. So when they're listening to podcasts, they're trying to see and sometimes they can't. So I look at these like mindsets. So to get a really good visual, imagine to my listeners, imagine or draw a large square then draw a cross in the center to create these four sections. Okay, so it's a two-by-two matrix. Absolutely. Perfect. In the top left box, put an E. That is for the employee mindset. Okay. In the bottom left box, put an S. This is for the self-employed mindset. And we'll break these down in just a moment. On the top right, you can put a B for the business owner mindset. And lastly, on the bottom right, you can place an I for investor mindset. Beautiful. What you end up with is ESBI, employee, self-employed, business owner, and investor. Got it. These are the four different mindsets. In business in business. Okay. I love this. Four different mindsets in business. Um, Could you do us a favor and break down each one of these mindsets just a little more to help us identify where we're at as well as what we might be needing to think about? Absolutely. I'd I'd be happy to. Okay. So let's start with the E of the ESBI. The employee mindset Think about the person who exchanges time for money, right? It's typical. 
they punch the hourly clock. person. Okay. There you go. The hourly person, the salary person, a person who works for a specific number of hours and they're guaranteed keyword, they're guaranteed paid at Got a rate upon rate. Okay. okay. That's a mindset. That's a person who depends on that. I'd rather go get a job because I know I'm going to get paid at the end of the week. That's a mindset. A guaranteed pay. That's right. Okay. The self-employed mindset also exchanges time for money. The difference is they own their job and there's no guarantee. Okay. So let's get an example or two of that. Okay. Think about this as the landscaper who drives around by themselves mowing people's lawns, right? This can also be the business coach. Okay. Or any other gig worker, i.e. my dad doing cable TV installation, who exchanged his time for money. The difference is they can manage how much money they're making by how much time they're working, right? That is correct. But there's no guarantee. Aha. Okay. Right? So okay. they'll either charge for the project. An example, the landscape will charge you $50 to mow your lawn. That's not a time. He's not saying, I'm going to cut your grass for an hour, for $50 an hour. And if I don't finish, then you owe me a fraction of $50 to move into the second hour. He's like, oh, no, I'll just do it for the project, right? We hear coaches and consultants say that. Oh, I'm project-based. Oh, I'm coach-based, right? Self-employed. Um, and they charge more money, $300 an hour, you know, $500 a project, whatever. But that's who they are. They're self-employed. Even the government looks at them as self-employed gig workers. Hence, the PPP had to make an alteration inside of the opportunity for gig workers because they wanted to consider the self-employed person, whether they drove Uber, whether they drove, um, uh, you know, whatever they did. Doesn't matter. We get it. (laughs) It's the non-guarantee. It's the non-guarantee. And then there's the business owner mindset. Mm. (laughs) Okay, bring it on. Mm. Okay. Think about building systems. That's what they think about. They think about teams. Oh, I wish they did think about building systems, but go ahead, continue. (laughs) Well, to your point, we're going to talk about it. So they think about building systems and a team and how to deploy that team. It is the system. The thing about the business owner mindset is that they understand the system generates money for them, not time. Right. So if they're a business owner and they're not thinking about systems, they may own a business, but they have a self-employed mindset if they're working hourly. Right. They're functioning as if they're self-employed, even though they have a business owner title. Oh, that is well said. Well said. And then lastly, and definitely not least, you have the investor mindset. Okay, let's hear this one. This mindset focuses on how to make money work for more money. Money making money. Money. That's where they think. How much money can I put in? How much money will my money make? They talk about ROIs, return on investments, leveraging. These are the conversations when they start speaking. How do I borrow 4% from the bank 
invest it into a 10% deal, make a 6% spread. How much money can I borrow? That's the investor mindset. Right. Right. Okay. So here we are. We have four different mindsets and they are very different. And the, the problem is people don't really know where they're functioning. And, and I want to share this with everyone who's in the, the self-employed, the business owner, the gig, whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever they choose to call it from their perspective. This is just like corporate. Mm. There's a lot of false titles out there. And it, and I I was an executive recruiter for 10 years, like the nation's go-to for what I specialized in. And I never cared what a title was. I wanted to know what they did because it's what you do that reveals the truth. So, so get rid of your title and think about what you do and what matters most in your business. It's the function and you'll know exactly which quadrant you're in. Right. Wow. So Maggie, that's spot on. That's, that's spot on. One of the most important things to understand about these mindsets is that none of these are solely based on what a person is actually doing in their life to generate income (laughs) to your point, Mm -hmm. but, but it's based on how they're thinking. So for example, that just, let's just use what you were talking about. If someone is an employee of a local bakery, Okay, And while they're working for this bakery, they're thinking about systems to make the business more efficient. Um, They're most likely a business. They most likely have a business owner mindset. Right. They may be working in a bakery. They may be receiving a paycheck. It may be guaranteed. It may be on an hourly wage, but they're not thinking that way. They're thinking about the efficiencies in in the systems of a business. On the other hand, I know there's business owners out there who own the bakery, but they feel compelled to work in the business because to them, like my mom, it doesn't make sense to pay someone else to do what you know how to do. You know, they're not thinking about the systems. And even though there are business owners, the mindset is an S. They have that (laughs) self-employed mindset. And I've watched many businesses, including businesses in my family, to the point do that very same thing. Oh, I don't want to go hire anybody to do the work because I could do it. And if I hire someone, I'm going to make less money. So why would I give away my money when I could just work it and keep the money myself? See, that's not a business owner mindset. That's self-employed mindset. Okay. So, you know, I was really curious what you were going to say your fam- from your family history, you know, what mindset would you say your parents are, but you just revealed it. Their mindset yeah. self-employed. There you go. And, and it's very easy now that we understand the four quadrants. My parents are self-employed mindset. They didn't build systems, but they relied on themselves to work and grow the business. And did they have employees? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, they exchanged their time for money. Um, and it's very evident in the fact that my dad worked from sunup to sundown. See, most people say, oh, that's a great thing, right? But he worked from sunup to sundown. Probably the hardest working person that I ever know. Everything he owned, he worked in. Nothing ran without his participation. And when I say participation, I mean, he did the bulk of the work. Hands on. Hands on. So to the world, my dad was this phenomenal business owner, investor. But he was really a self-employed mindset. 
Well, that's beautiful that you can look back and notice that and say, oh, check this out. You know, it looks like this, but the reality is this is what it is. And that's why I'm like, titles are an illusion. So what do you do, right? So here you are and you you have all this awareness. Um, You know, I I guess the, the next obvious question, Carlton, is do you believe their mindset had anything to do with their business failing? Definitely, absolutely, <laughs> unequivocally. There's no other way to answer that. Um, okay, let's get I, serious here. <laughs> they, they, oh my gosh, they didn't believe they had to fail to succeed because that mantra of fail to succeed didn't really kick in into you know the Covington Institution late in the '90s. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Listen to the first podcast; they can hear it. However. Yeah they lived in the Mad Hatter method. Mm. My mom would say jokingly in her Jamaican accent, chief cook and bottle washer. Right. Right. Meaning they did everything. That is truly the definition of the Mad Hatter syndrome. They were determined to succeed and build legacy businesses because they always talk about passing it to our family. (laughs) But due to their mindset, they couldn't stop wearing multiple hats in the business. They weren't thinking about systems. So it was impossible for them to grasp the importance of tackling business development tasks at the correct time. And because they wore all their hats, they were unable to truly embrace their genius. In the end, that cost them their business and a lot more. Well, sure it did. When you, when you look at that, because they were so busy in the, in the, the doing of it all that they couldn't slow down to look at how to systematize it because they were the doers because they were the self-employed mindset. Right. And, and until you pull back and you look at it and you say, what are we really doing here? You know, um, are, are we just creating a job for ourselves and saying we're business owners or, are we really owning a business hmm. that's sustainable, right? Correct. So this, this is beautiful. You, you've just shared so much. And thank you for being so vulnerable to share your story. Absolutely. Maggie, you know, to your point, that's why the company I built, I call it I Do Systems. Oh, my gosh. I never <laughs> caught that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's really cool. <laughs> okay. So now that I got my big, whoa, <laughs> I flanked you. I got you. Yeah, you I got, got me. Maggie. I got her. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Okay. So Carlton, what do you want, really want our listeners to take away from this episode? That's a good question. Um, I would want them to do one thing. I would want them to be honest with themselves. I want them to figure out their mindset. Really take a self-evaluation of the four quadrants. Once, Once you do, you can either choose to stay in that mindset or work to grow to another mindset. Hmm. No one has to be stuck in any mindset. But to know which mindset you're in, 
then you can choose, you can decide if that is how you want to think. Okay, that makes sense. And it's, it's like slow down so you can accelerate. Absolutely. You say it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's my quote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's really what you're saying here is, is really get clear where you are. And uh, if, if you've been in an illusion of where you are and what you're doing, now's the time to make that change. Absolutely. Okay. Otherwise, you're continuing to move towards the death rate statistic, mm. right? Mm. Unknowingly. Absolutely. They're moving right. that way. Unknowingly. So now we know better. Okay. So for the business owners who truly want to fall forward and not fail forward, Carlton, what can they do today? You know, I'm going to have to refer to and recommend one of my favorite books in what we were talking about today. And that's Robert Kiyosaki's book, Cashflow Quadrant. Um, and advising the listeners to begin thinking about, again, think about your own mindset. Draw out the chart that we talked about, ESBI, and spend some time considering how you actually think. Think about how you show up at your job. Think about how you show up in your business. Think about how you've worked in any function ever. Were you the creative one? Were you an overworker? Did you show up early? Did you show up late? You know, did you think about process? Many times the people who are the laziest think about systems because they're trying to figure out ways to not do the work. So think yes. about those things, right? Think about what you do. Are you, I need structure. I need to be in this process. I need to have the processes handed to me. Or are you the person who thinks about creating processes? and building those process and being the creative, are, are you a Maggie? Are you a builder? Are you a creative? Are you a creative builder? See, that tells me right there that Maggie is a business owner mindset, right? Because she's that creative builder. Um, if you ask Maggie to do something, she'll show you how to build a system so that you could do this a hundred times and repeat. That's how <laughs> businesses scale, which is why she does growth. Just just it all adds up when you think about it. So if you find yourself in a quadrant that you don't want to be in, just start working to move into another quadrant. Oh, it's that simple. So first know the quadrants, then identify the truth of where you really are. And if it's not where you want to be or where you perceive you are, well, then what do you do to move to the next one? Get his book and read it. That's it. Okay, so what's the name of the book again, Carlton? Cashflow Quadrant. And it's written by Robert Kiyosaki and the preceding book to that, and I've had the pleasure of speaking with Sharon Lecter myself, um, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You can literally follow that series. I, I just love the way he simplified understanding business. And I think as business owners, sometimes we jump to this graduated knowledge or graduated information, blue oceans and um, think rich and all this other fancy funky books because the market says you should read it but the basic cores of what we do in our mindset both Sharon Lecter and Robert Kiyosaki speak about them so eloquently in Rich Dad Poor Dad in the Cashflow Quadrant and I've actually shared that with my children so do it if you want it, to be a business owner do it it does make a huge difference and I, I know that there's plenty of people who know about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're one of those who have already read that, 
go back and now read mm-hmm. cash flow quadrant because rich dad poor dad will make much more sense to you and you'll see it in a whole new light after having this foundational knowledge and if you have not read either one start with cash flow quadrant yes yes beautiful advice okay so carlton this explains to me why you have created what you call pillar five And, and I do systems because it's a system, as we said, when we introduced you, you've, you've have created a system to identify and smash through all the growth roadblocks, the stumbling blocks that business owners usually fall on. And you've created a system so they don't have to fail. Absolutely. Matter of fact, succeed. So I so totally get this. And in, in a moment, we're going to have you share hmm. exactly what that is. So listeners, just hang tight for not even five more moments or five more <laughs> minutes. <laughs> okay, so we're going to wrap up because we're short on time. Listeners, this is how you can learn more, engage with number one international best-selling business author, Carlton Hoskins. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Wow. I didn't realize I'm getting short-winded here. (laughs) (laughs) Start by reading chapter eight in volume five of the book, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And remember, volume five is the one with the turquoise cover. And what's really neat about how we have set up the book is each author gets to share their chapter and then they have a glossary. And Carlton has a pretty cool glossary defining a lot of terms for you to learn the difference between failing and falling and how to fall more gracefully so you Mm. don't have to fail. And then after the glossary, Carlton has an author page and a business page. And at the bottom of the author page, Carlton, you have a very special invitation. Would you like to share that with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Maggie. And and I hope the the listeners uh, enjoy it. Um, We put together an opportunity for business owners to go in and use Pillar 5, um, the tool that you're talking about, and simply go to app.pillar5.com forward slash try. And the listeners can go in and take an assessment and find out where their business is today. Think about it like a GPS, identifying where your business is on the road to success. Once you identify where the business is, then it's easy to move forward to the next steps. And we're going to offer you an opportunity to take that assessment and find out how to grow your business and the next action steps you need to take. Oh, to succeed instead of fail. I love it. (laughs) And thank you for being so generous with that share. Absolutely. All right. And listeners, here's something else that's really cool. Right now, you can see everything about the book, including the whole book series and all of the authors. But most importantly, we're focusing on Carlton today. So go to your app store, download the free mobile app, Brilliant Biz Book. Brilliant B-I-Z book. And once you're there, go to the feature that says, ask an expert, find Carlton Hoskins name and click on it. 
it opens up just like an email message, type in your message, let him know, you know, that you heard his, his podcast episode here and type whatever your question is or your comments and he'll reply back to you. Right, Carlton? I sure will. <laughs> Pretty cool bonus, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. And also while you're there, check out, um, you know, you can go back and look at all of our podcasts. We have well over 200 of them. As a matter of fact, you probably want to listen to Carlton's <laughs> right from the very <laughs> beginning because he has been building a story for you through his um, mini series here of, of five episodes. So let me share those episodes with you. Uh, that's 208, 217, 227, 237, and then this episode. So go back and listen to him again. You'll be amazed at how much information he has shared with you. And uh, I want to share with you, it's, it's true pro wisdom that he's sharing. <laughs> Carlton, thanks for your time and your wisdom sharing as always. You rock. Thank you, Maggie. You rock. <laughs> <laughs> Any final words? This is, this is your fifth um, of five. Yeah. All I'm going to say, stay tuned. There may be something brewing in the mix that may be following. Are you going to give us a bonus round? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Shh. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Love hearing that. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. And listeners, <laughs> we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast, where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business owner. So go rock it out and shine brightly until next week. <laughs>